Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I'm your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on another episode, this one about school. We're all heading back. Uh, you're going to be hearing this guest and uh, all sorts of people heading back to different levels of school. And for that, uh, we, uh, we we wanted to bring in someone to talk about a topic that will be across the board, and we're having back on the show our favorite, Ryan Waters, to talk about making friends and healthy boundaries. Uh, Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Nate. Great to be here. It's good to have you back. I always love our conversations. Um, and uh this one, it, it's hard to know where to kick it off exactly because, um, you know, we've all had that anxiety. There's all different ways you can go about this conversation, the anxiety of making friends, um, what it's like to go into new spaces with a healthy view, um, how to f- seek out new friends. But you're one that's actually gone on to multiple campuses and had this experience firsthand um, mm-hmm. at multiple different venues. Um, and you wrote an article about it back in 2017. If you want to mm-hmm. listen to that, uh, Ryan actually recorded that for the podcast last week. Uh, just go back and listen to, I believe it's episode 65. And uh, you can listen to him talk about uh, his experience on healthy relationships back in college. We're going to go over some of that today and dig in a little bit deeper and Ryan, you're, you're one that's gone through this on multiple campuses uh, as a student, but also you have it uh, the experience from an administrator side as well for multiple years, seeing people come on campus and witnessing them trying to uh, break into the new environment while learning and making new friends. I mean, it's, it's a lot to take in. It is. So my first uh, right out of right out of college I started working on student affairs at God's Bible School and one of the first jobs I had was as the uh, assistant Dean of men and then eventually Dean of men and director of student affairs so got to be part of the transition period for hundreds of students as they made their way onto campus and tried to figure out who am I in this new space in this new environment and got to witness a lot of people, do it really well, and some who really struggled to know how do I make that transition well, and so that article that I that I wrote was kind of formed out of my observations, uh, both individually as a student going into those spaces, but also witnessing hundreds of other people do it as well. Well, I I remember a lot of uh, the the things that I would make a new friend over would just be similarities or like. You, you like basketball, me like basketball too, you know, like, yeah, you know, sure. the commonalities of that. Uh, but some of the things that you're talking about in here um, go beyond just similarities in traits or, or your likes or dislikes mm-hmm. and really get to digging deeper into a friendship that could last a lifetime, really. Yeah, so I got to witness that a lot. Uh, maybe we'll start with my own individual experience first, but one of the things I love about a campus experience is the ability to get to come into contact with people that are not exactly like you, and not just ethnically or racially, but even in terms of worldview or in terms of uh, very different cultural backgrounds, sometimes from a more, uh, let's say, less individualistic, more communal uh, 
uh, background, that can be really helpful to kind of broaden your worldview on what other ways of being in the world are out there. On that point, let me ask you this, because there are some that, you know, you want to go to a certain uh, college or campus uh, to make sure that your worldview isn't changed. Mm -hmm. So let's do a little sidebar there where you're talking about being exposed to different worldviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a danger there of, you know, your worldview changing? And is that a good or a bad thing? So college will change you in some way. And so I do think it's important to be intentional about the college you choose and the mindset that you go uh, in with. I remember my freshman year talking to one of my professors and stating something to the effect of, I feel vulnerable because I'm, I feel like a baby bird with his mouth open, just not being able to discern, you know, what is, what's, what's good, what's not. And, you know, he reassured me part of the, the college experience is learning to think critically. And if you have a college that doesn't teach you to think critically, then you need to be on guard. Uh, but having said that, I think it is very helpful to stay connected to your roots to some degree as well to kind of help kind of form the boundaries around what, uh, how to discern, how to think through all this new information that you're getting. And uh, try not to be afraid of that process uh, as much as you can, but recognize that growth is part of what you're paying for in a college experience. And so that's not a bad thing by nature. I think it's important to uh, be very intentional about who you're trusting that, that growth process to. And that's where doing your homework ahead of time to look at, all right, what kind of graduates does this college tend to produce? And am I okay with my life looking like that? That's good. Because, uh, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be that product in two yeah. or four years or, you know, some five or six, uh, de- yeah, <laughs> depending exactly. on what you do there. Uh, so what I'm noticing here, and, and you and I had talked about this before we jumped in here in the pre-show, um, a lot of this, while we're zeroing in on those going to a new school at the college level, this relationship stuff and building healthy relationships and finding new friends really goes beyond that, the principles of it, mm, and applies yes. to more people. Because as I'm hearing you talk about that worldview, my experience as I left college, uh, man, I was, when I got into the work sector, especially in you know healthcare, the gamut of worldviews that I was exposed to and frankly, not ready for in a lot of ways, and I don't think could have been prepared necessarily for some of it. Um, It's so vast that Mm -hmm. a lot of the principles we're talking about could help you even beyond in building healthy relationships. And you talk about those boundaries, the Mm -hmm. the bulwark of any relationship uh, in in, in the internal or external uh, boundaries. Really quick, can you help us understand as listeners the difference between internal and external boundaries, just a a quick synopsis. Yeah, this is such a a crucial life skill, learning how to uh, filter uh, protective boundaries in particular, filter what you're hearing and receiving from others, and also contain what comes out of you, both your words and your actions. So those are the two broad categories, protective boundaries, Uh, and containment boundaries. So protective boundaries are the things that uh, are the ways that you protect yourself from all of the content coming at you on a regular basis. 
You can have a few different kinds. You can have uh, a high brick wall where nothing gets in. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, anything you hear from anyone, anywhere. It's not getting in. And as you can imagine, it's hard to have a relationship with someone who has a extremely high uh, walled-off boundary. So that tends to be dysfunctional. The other ditch, the other end of the spectrum, is you have no boundary. And so you internalize everything as true. And so that can do a lot of damage to self-worth, self-esteem, and also tends to put you at the mercy of everyone else. A lot of pain down that road, too. In the middle, you have this functional boundary that has enough space. I kind of, I like to envision it as a white picket fence. So you have some uh, some slats there that kind of uh, bounce off the the unhealthy parts uh, that you receive from other people. But there's also those gaps in the middle that allow you to take in what's true. And the one thing that's unique with uh, these protective boundaries is you kind of have the ability to hold this this content that's coming towards you in a neutral space. So let's say someone says something about you that you really don't like. Instead of either immediately rejecting it, that high wall, or immediately accepting it, that no boundary, you hold it in a neutral space and ask yourself, does this have the ring of truth to it for me? Or even more importantly, but perhaps more complex, what parts of this may be true and what parts of this are untrue? And then after you've evaluated it to figure out what has the ring of truth, I'll internalize what's appropriate for me and reject what's not. That's a very functional protective boundary. Well, I think you're going to have plenty of opportunities at the college level uh, and beyond to practice that. Uh, And if you're not practicing it intentionally, it's it's happening either way. Uh, You're just acting out of, you know, whatever uh, history you have. You're just acting out of what you've learned so far in life uh, to, to adapt uh, to the surroundings you're in. Uh, so going into a new setting like college, you're going to continue those behaviors. So it's, it's really a good idea to just be intentional about your boundaries. And you mentioned in your article um, and really encourage people to go back to episode 65, listen through that, um, or you can go to the newsletter uh, that comes out. If you haven't signed up for that, the newsletter from Grace Story, it's in there as well. Um, uh, check your, your inbox for that. Um, but in that, you talk about the external boundaries of being able to say no um, or, or setting up. But, uh, man, college, college dorms, man. You, <laughs> yes. you get into a college dorm and you may have great internal uh, boundaries of, okay, I'm letting in this, uh, this little snarky comment and okay, no, it's not true. I wouldn't allow them to, you know, make that part. Okay. I'm not going to internalize that. Uh, and Mm -hmm. then you have some decent external boundaries of, yeah, I can tell people, no, um, I don't want to eat that or no, I don't want to go there. But then you get in a college dorm with someone Mm -hmm. you, you met, you know, Tuesday and now you're on a triple bunk bed (laughs) <laughs> at some places <laughs> what let me ask you this question how how do you develop or or continue to utilize healthy external boundaries in a setting like a college dorm where it's all packed in there and yeah. you may be with someone who is the most immature person you have ever met that does not mm-hmm. respect boundaries mm-hmm. i like to view college a college dorm room as a training ground all right I'm not going to do this perfectly, this whole boundary setting thing. 
but I'm going to try and I'm going to learn from ways that I don't do it right or when things don't go well. So try not to hold yourself up to this. Oh, I got to get it perfect every time because that's just not realistic. No one knows how to do good boundaries until they learn. And this is your chance to really learn. And uh, anytime that you are forming new relationships, uh, there's always, sometimes I call it the storming phase. Uh, and this is pulling a dynamic from uh, kind of group psychology, group therapy, where whenever you have a new group that's forming, you have the, the initial stage where you are forming new connections. You're figuring out why you're there. And the second phase is storming where there's friction and you're trying to figure out how do we, how do we navigate this? What are we here for? How do we, how do we meet our goals well, which in a college dorm room is how do we share this space without strangling each other at some point during the school year? <laughs> there may and, be, there uh, may be fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's try not to be afraid of that. That's actually a pretty typical relational dynamic. Uh, I'm not talking about the fights. I'm talking more about the <laughs> friction piece um, that that can happen. Things like we have very different views of cleanliness in a dorm room. How yeah. do how do we navigate that? How do I not be uh, too persnickety, but still not have to have a hazmat team come in once a week to try and you know make make things uh, livable and figuring out okay, what am I willing to compromise on here? What is something that's a legitimate need for me, like for me to stay healthy and functional, I have to have these needs met. And how do I fight for those appropriately by, by learning how to defend myself? Boundaries are intricately woven into all of that. And and, and does that include, uh, you know, <laughs> I remember one story, somebody just taking a piece of duct tape and putting it down the middle of the room and like <laughs> everything over there, yeah. you can be as dirty as you want. This side <laughs> of the room is mine. Keep your socks over there. Yeah. I, uh, uh, that is a very clear example of a physical boundary external right there. boundary right there, yes. Oh. And sometimes that may be the appropriate thing. Um, the more complicated and sticky, or maybe I should say the more divergent needs are, often the more clear that boundary has to be, you know, all the way down to a piece of duct tape down the middle of the floor. Um, that's not always the case. Usually there's enough similarity that you can kind of find a workable solution. But that's the one thing I absolutely love about um, the life skill building aspect uh, of, a, of a college setting. It forces you to learn how to navigate relationships in ways that you're going to be navigating them for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, because uh, surprise, difficult people are everywhere. Um, oh, and yeah. It, you, you are probably one of them for someone else, simply mm -hmm. be, not, not because of your faults or uh, anything, just because we're human beings and we're different. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. And that's how God made us. Yeah. Uh, so I want to circle back to something because barring the forced relationship of a dorm room, um, mm -hmm. which is picked out of a hat or I don't know, you're the administrator, you know how that's, uh, that happens. I don't know if there's mm -hmm. a, is there a board meeting for that or is it just by letters? <laughs> how, how does that picked? Colleges do it differently. We used to try and collect some data ahead of time, personality profiles, preferences, uh, even, you know, you know, kind of what cultural background you're coming from to try and find as many similarities as we could. But some colleges prefer just the randomized uh, approach and just kind of letting people figure it out. 
So it depends on what college you're going to. I don't know which would be better because I, I mean, I feel like it'd be exciting to meet someone new and someone not like mm-hmm. me, but then also the comfort of like, oh yeah, we're the same. But then that kind of sounds like lukewarm as well. But yeah. well, besides that, uh, outside of that forced relationship, you mentioned uh, trying to find friends who are emotionally healthy. We talked about that a little bit. But I want to circle back and, and dig in there with some strategies for finding these types of friends, these types of people. And again, mm-hmm. this is something that will help you well beyond and for our listeners listening in that aren't possibly going to college this month. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think this will be beneficial. But what are some of the strategies for finding emotionally healthy friends? That is such a great question because I think learning how to identify those people is absolutely critical for success in your college career. And one of the things that I look for in someone who's emotionally healthy is, are they self-aware? Do they understand their own internal world and how the real them shows up in the real world with other people? And actually, this might be a good place to kind of uh, splice in something that I meant to touch on earlier, which are, we talked about kind of those protective external boundaries. What about the internal boundaries or uh, containment boundaries that keep you from overstepping into other people's worlds? And one of the things I look for with people who are emotionally healthy is do they have good protective uh, and containment boundaries? So just like we talked about before, you can have a brick wall where even if someone takes everything in, that containment boundary keeps everything in. Nothing gets out. And that can be really damaging both to that person, but also can be really challenging to know how to be in relationship with them because they have a really hard time expressing what they need and want, telling you how they really feel. And it's, it's hard to know how to be in relationship uh, with, with someone who really struggles with that. And I would assume with someone that, you know, has that type of inability, it, 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 it may come out in ways that aren't healthy. Like it'll come out possibly eventually, yeah. Through through anger or, you know, at yeah. the frustration and ways that they don't want it. Oh, man, now I failed at that relationship, too. I need to close up shop more because when yeah. I share, it's just not accepted, even yeah. though it's not healthy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes I say it, it always going to come out. Sometimes it just comes out sideways with someone who try, who keeps that high wall in place. You know, they'll stuff, 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 stuff until they just can't anymore and it erupts unexpectedly. That's a sign of someone who is struggling with uh, the self-awareness of knowing who they are and what they need. The other side of the ditch is someone who has no containment boundary, and they just kind of, uh, pardon the analogy here, but they verbally vomit on everyone around them. So maybe they overshare in settings that are inappropriate, or they assume that the relationship has more depth or substance than it really does because there hasn't been enough time and consistency and work put in to earn that level of safety in the relationship. It, it reminds me of some some people, I won't name any names, that uh, well, we give credence to that <clears throat> behavior by saying, well, you know, I just have no filter or yeah, I just yeah. tell it like it is or, you know, if I'm feeling something, you're going to know it. Um, yeah, or, yeah. You know, well, prayer chain warriors too, you know, that... Just sharing, sharing, sharing. Yeah. Well, sometimes people confuse uh, either immaturity or trauma as personality. And neither of those are true. 
and what I think I hear you saying in that is, is someone who is confusing those two things because that's not a great personality trait or even a healthy one. That's evidence of either immaturity or trauma. Talking about emotionally healthy people, you brought us through that self-aware piece and uh, containment. Don't be going vomiting on everybody else. Don't maybe, maybe draw back in from just, you know, sharing everything and telling people like it is and wearing your emotions on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. And, and then you mentioned something about being emotionally agile. What is that about? Yeah, so emotional agility uh, means that you live mindful of your emotions. In other words, you don't repress them, but neither do you kind of spew them everywhere. Uh, so you live mindful of them, but not controlled by them. So they are what they were intended to be, which was a tool to help you pay attention to uh, how what's really going on inside. They are symptoms. Uh, I heard a phrase once uh, that really resonated with me. Emotions make great employees and terrible CEOs. And so learning to really value your employees, like they're there for a reason, let's not ignore them. But let's also recognize that uh, they, they don't make the best leaders in your life. So someone who's emotionally agile has the ability to dip into their emotions, to understand what's going on, to use it as data to inform their decision-making process, but they are not controlled by those emotions. And this is someone who uh, also tends to be resilient because they're not someone who uh, is controlled by what they're ignoring, but they're someone who can genuinely face reality and figure out what to do with it. Another thing to look at is uh, someone who has good coping skills. Uh, They... They have hobbies, they have interests, they have other relationships that really help them fill their buckets well. Uh, one thing I've seen regularly is it's very common for people to really not know what restores them, what kinds of activities are restorative for them. You know, th- they may know a good many activities that are distracting for them, maybe even that they enjoy, but what are the activities that when I'm done with them, I walk away feeling better? about myself, about life. And those things are super important to identify and even more to be able to not only identify them, but ask for them to structure your life so that they can happen. Man, as a, as a 35 year old, I can tell you, I still haven't gotten that right in a lot of ways. It's hard. And I, I, I feel like if we could just take that and, and if every college student could understand that synopsis of finding things that aren't just distracting but are healthy and bring you life. And then not just that, not just finding them, but actually scheduling them in, creating boundaries around them so they don't just get pushed off and pushed off um, and never happen. Man, if you can do that, a lot of other stuff will fall in line because you'll have the energy, the passion, and and you won't get burnt out. Um, uh, Man, if we could have people learn that, in college. And, and there are places that are centering on things like that, but um, mm-hmm. huge, huge thing there. And one more thing I want to throw out there. What I'm talking about today is kind of the, the hoped for outcome or goal. I recognize that college is a place where you're learning this. So what I'm not saying is you have to find someone who has perfectly embodied this to the nth degree. Like, no, that's not realistic. What we're talking about is, do we have people who it's even on the radar that this is a desire or a need? And are they willing to explore that? 
both with you? Are they willing to, to, to support you in your own journey to understand and grow in that? Those are the people that you want to surround yourself with, not the people who belittle that or ignore it, because that's where you really get into some depleting relationships. Well, and you have a you have a few more things I'm sure to to check off here. But one thing I'm noticing is this is a great checklist for yourself. Like as yes. you're looking for this and other people, starting at that number one thing of being self aware, understanding your internal world and and how you affect others, mm-hmm. um, and and taking that self awareness and going down through this list uh, and, and giving others grace when they don't get it right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Because uh, they're working on this stuff too, but yeah, such a great list just to make yourself more uh, emotionally intelligent and yeah. better prepared to thrive in a world where difficult people are all around, and you're not going to be the only sick patient in the room. <laughs> yeah, we all have a diagnosis exactly. of some sort. Um, <laughs> as we're looking out, uh, you know, we're, we're maybe going through this checklist, finding some of these things healthy. healthy but we're looking out on how these things affect others, how our behaviors affect others. And we kind of mentioned that similarities, you know, only going for similarities can be, you know, not not the greatest strategy. But are there are there times when similarities come up as, as a good thing uh, to look for in others? Yeah, absolutely. And when I think of that, I, I think of even if we are very different in terms of personality or things we enjoy, do we have a shared purpose uh, when it comes to how we how we look at our future? Are there similarities there that really help foster stronger connection? And I'm not talking about group think here where we're just identical and lockstep with each other, but are we shooting for the same kinds of things? Um, and so I, I worked at a, a Christian college, and so that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. How does that play into a shared purpose? Well, we want to see the kingdom of God come into our own lives and in the lives of those that he's placed in us or around us. And so can we really resonate and connect with people who share that purpose, share that vision for their future? Um, And maybe taken out of uh, that context into something a little more specific, what about people who share similar vision of, of a degree program? Hey, we want to see music brought into the world in beautiful ways. We want to see businesses happen that um, enrich not just financially, but emotionally or spiritually uh, the world that we're called to live in. Those kinds of broader vision, purpose, meaning kinds of, uh, of patterns are the similarities there that we can really buy into. So, so far you've, you've talked about being self-aware emotionally agile, uh, having good coping skills, having a purpose. Uh, is there, is there more to this list that we should be looking for, for an emotionally health being an emotionally healthy individual, but also looking for in others that they're emotionally healthy for a relationship? Yeah, there's one piece in particular that I saw happen repeatedly when I was on, on Dean staff at the college. And one of those is understanding the uh, the appropriateness of being interdependent, not overdependent or anti-dependent in relationship. And so what sometimes happens is whenever someone comes in and they are just, they're not really comfortable in their own skin, they're desperate for connection, they kind of fuse with someone or a group of people. 
And then that becomes their lifeline to stay afloat. And that very quickly moves into an overdependence on that relationship or group of relationships. And this is different than that strong, healthy interdependence that says, hey, uh, I need people, but I also recognize that I'm enough in and of my own self and who God has called me to be. Uh, so I encourage people to be mindful that uh, they, they not move too deeply into uh, overdependence where they just almost get smothered or get smothered by other relationships. Uh, but don't move to the other extreme where you become anti-dependent and you move towards isolation, which is that I'm good by myself and I don't need anybody else in the world. Uh, both of those have their own uh, drawbacks. And one last thing I'll throw out there is the ability to keep confidence. Uh, that's extremely important in all relationships. Not that this person you know, becomes a secret keeper in my life to my own detriment, but is this someone who I can share the real me with and they, they're able to handle that well? They're not going to be overwhelmed by it, nor are they going to share my, my deepest fears and uh, with, with other people that really don't have the capacity or are not a part of the story and a way to handle that appropriately. So figuring out how to do that and how to learn from the betrayal, even when that doesn't go well, uh, is, a, is a pretty crucial life skill. Man, such a good list. And uh, what is that? The first one, two, three, four, five, six chapters of your book uh, on, <laughs> on uh, you know, healthy relationships at college. But to go through and get this being self-aware, a list for yourself and what to look for in others as you step onto a college campus and you want to make friendships that will last a lifetime, that will help you in your walk with Christ, uh, help you on your mission of obtaining your degree and beyond, uh, mm -hmm. being self-aware emotionally agile, having good coping skills, uh, looking at your, your, your purpose um, and knowing how to manage your emotions, not being overly dependent on others uh, or enmeshed, and then knowing how to keep confidence, which, mm -hmm. man, that last one, we, we all can tell a story or two of, mm -hmm. uh, oh, I told you that, and then you shared it with everybody, and now I'm embarrassed, and I'm just going to go die. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go away and disappear. Man, yeah. And, and there, there's other things that I'm sure, let's flip that on its head. Those red flags, people may, I mean, it has to be more than just people that won't keep your confidence. Are there, there are red flags that you can throw out there of people that may not be emotionally healthy for you? Yeah. In, um, in preparation for our talk today, I, I put a little bit of thought into that. Like, what are some of the things that I would encourage people to look out for? So I'll just, like, I'll run through that list of things that sure. I, that I thought through. Uh, beware when you start feeling smothered and you mm. just want to put excessive distance between you and other people. There's probably some poor boundaries there. Uh, whenever you notice that folks rely on you to meet too many of their needs. And this isn't that interdependent piece. This is when someone is over-dependent on you for their sense of okayness. When they live for short-term pleasures or outcomes rather than being more focused on the long term. So this is someone who enjoys playing video games until 3 a.m. every day rather than saying, oh, I'm actually here for a higher purpose to get an education that's going to meet my my long-term goals. All right, be mindful. That's not a, I'm not saying you judge them for it, but neither are you overly influenced by it. 
beware of people who routinely speak down to or speak negatively about others. Because if they're doing it to you, they're going to, about others, they're going to do it about you. Uh, folks who are judgmental and harsh, who have that very narrow wor- worldview that doesn't allow for any differentiation, they have the one and only way. Folks who are entitled uh, in the way they act or the way they speak or even just the way they think about themselves in the world. Folks who lack empathy or kindness. Man, that's a big one. Because we all need that warmth and that support. And without that, their relationships get really damaging. And finally, folks who uh, really don't know what they think or want and don't have the backbone to stand up for it when they do. You want people who know who they are or at least are developing a sense of who they are and are also developing the ability to ask for what they need and want and to defend their beliefs in the world. I mean, that's another great list. I mean, if you can just write these out as you're listening to them and, and kind of rehash through, if you're, if you're confused about a relationship, confused about, uh, you know, someone you've met and you're like, okay, um, I don't know if I should be their friend. How do I make good friends? that are going to help me on this journey. Um, mm-hmm. This is a great way to not only take those emotionally healthy things, but those red flags. Mm-hmm. And then at night, reflect and think back yeah. through the day. I'm like, okay, did I see this in this friend? Uh, you know, not that you're sitting there judging, no. but this is an exercise that is important to you, mm-hmm. important to you and important to your emotional well-being and your success yeah. in life. So it's a good taking stock of who's in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, just go through those, look through them. And um, if you see any of that in yourself, you know, how can I be a better friend? Yeah. So, Let's say I've done that. Let's say I, I have taken post-it notes and, you know, there's there's things that I'm looking through and I start to see, oh, there is a relationship that I need to break off here. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do I, the conflict is hard, number yeah. one. You don't want to rock the boat. Um, maybe that's your only friend, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, but, and I have another, we'll do this. So breaking off a relationship, how do I break that off if it's not in my best interest? And then I also have another question because it, it takes me back to you're heading off from high school into college mm-hmm. and you may, you may be moving on for, from some people that uh, you notice either these things, they haven't been a healthy relationship for you or they won't mm-hmm. be a healthy relationship moving forward. So I'll circle back to that question because I, I find that interesting, but Let's start with how to break off a relationship in general that's not in my best interest. Yeah. Those conversations are never easy. So let's just accept that from the beginning. Like there's no there's no easy way to do it that leaves both of you feeling warm, fuzzy inside. Or maybe I should say never, shouldn't should not say never, but should say rarely is there a way that you walk walk away feeling warm fuzzies. But Back to learning critical life skills. This is one of them because there are going to be times in for the rest of your life where you have to find a way to exit relationships with as little damage or uh, pain as possible. So let me take one step back further, which says if you if you view possibility in this relationship, like, hey, maybe even if the dynamics are unhealthy right now, maybe this is a relationship that's worth fighting for that I want to encourage to, let's say, level up 
for us both to grow and mature in ways that allow the relationship to thrive. It's okay to try that too, to say like, have that conversation which you say, hey, I noticed that when we're together, this is what happens. We end up talking negatively about other people instead of talking um, deeply about more meaningful things. That's, I don't really like that about our dynamic. Can we focus on that? And if the other person's willing to go there, great. Then that may be an opportunity for both of you to grow. But if you have a conversation like that and the person says, like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's ridiculous. You need to stop being so sensitive, X, Y, or Z. Gaslighting right there. Yes, exactly. Gaslighting. Then that's where you probably need to move into the, okay, well, knowing me and the direction I'm heading in, I'm not okay with this dynamic being present in the relationships that have the most power in my life. And so if that's not someplace that we are able to go, I'm not going to judge you for it, but neither am I going to continue to keep myself exposed to that. So I'm going to be expanding my my friendships in ways that I think ultimately lead me to fulfill my deeper purposes. So first of all, I would listening to you on that, uh, I would give people permission to do this messy because I don't think I've ever heard a college student Uh, maybe a handful of people that are just wise beyond their years, be able to sit down in a booth across from their friend and say calmly and succinctly and wisely what you just said. If I heard that from a college student talking about their boundaries and the (laughs) relationship, so I'll be moving on with the relationships that are most important, like all those things, Mm -hmm. like you're probably, that's probably not how it's going to come out. Sure. Yeah. But that's the idea, the idea, the theory behind it, that's guiding you into what you want to say, just, just, it's okay to do it a little messy because that's probably how it's going to come out. Absolutely. Um, And and you're also showing value, not only for that other person by giving them that opportunity, but value for the other people, um, the, the the relationships you haven't experienced yet Mm -hmm. of those people you're being critical of. You're giving them a chance too to be those people that are learning to be self-aware and emotionally agile and all those things. Yeah. And I'm really glad you mentioned that piece because I don't expect, uh, it would be very unrealistic to expect, you know, 18, 19 year olds who are learning the skill to be able to articulate it clearly, especially in the moment. Like, so I've, you know, been, even with the experiences that I've had, when I sit down in that booth across from someone that I have to have this conversation with, it always becomes harder because your emotions get escalated, which means your brain doesn't function quite as clearly as it does right now when you and I are talking about this abstractly. But I do think it's important to have the ideal in mind so that you at least have a goal of what you're shooting for. And that tends to make for more productive uh, and effective outcomes in in the long run. So even if that 18, 19 year old who's struggling to figure out how do I navigate this has an idea of what to shoot for, it will at least help them get closer to that ideal than they would otherwise. And that's really just what, as you go through a college career, career, uh, you start, you learn theories, you learn frameworks, you learn ways of thinking, and it's not always going to come out in that collegiate vernacular. It's Mm going to come out in your normal voice, but yeah. with a different structure to it uh, of a guiding overarching theory that helps you understand what you're talking about more. And yeah. some of that 
your the, the length of the relationship is going to depend it's going to depend on that yeah. what you say and and how you talk yes because i'm assuming if you walk up to somebody you met at opening week and it's now week two and you sit down and you're like i want to talk about these three things mm-hmm. in a relationship that i've really had my eye on that's is probably, probably yes that's gonna be weird yeah uh, so exactly take stock self-awareness yes right there but there are relationships that well, and this is a good way to circle around to what I was thinking of before, as we're moving from high school into college, uh, you know, these relationships we may have had for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, oh, this may not be the best for me moving forward. There's going to be some emotions attached to that. Oh, um, yeah. Maybe even some guilt. So let mm-hmm. me frame it this way. If I feel guilty because I have old friends uh, and I'm moving forward uh, am I wrong for moving uh, moving on from high school or immature friends? We're just different now. And how do I navigate that change? How do I show them that they still have value or, or a place in my life? Um, maybe just not as intimate. What, what does that transition look yeah. like for someone moving from high school friends to college friends? Yeah. That's such a hard transition for so many folks. And I, I'm going to make a broad statement here, uh, but I think many, if not most relationships in life tend to be time locked. Like they're there for a specific uh, season of your life. And it's okay. That's okay. It doesn't mean that the relationship was insufficient or unnecessary or even bad. It just means that that's kind of the way life works. You have seasons where you become closer to one person than another, and there's a waxing and waning that happens as time goes on. Now, hopefully you have a few that have longevity to them, people that connect you to your past, that allow you to stay uh, connected to your roots in ways that remind you of your true identity. And also where genuine intimacy, which is that knowing and being known can happen. You need longevity for that to happen super well. But it's okay to recognize, you know what, that relationship was there when I needed it for a period of time. And it seems like life is changing directions and we're moving in different ways. And it's okay to look back with gratitude for what that relationship had to offer you in that season of life. And sometimes even mourning, grieving that transition, even if it's a good one or a necessary one, can be helpful. But try not to force something that really wasn't intended to have the longevity uh, that maybe even you wished it did. (laughs) This is, I didn't hear this in the context of relationships, but a a phrase I heard once, and I think it was from, uh, uh, from someone's uh, military officer. They said something like, son, when you recognize that the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. Like, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, if the relationship has moved on, you're in different faith different phases of life, then it's okay to dismount and try not to keep keep beating or riding that dead horse. Well, now that I have the perfect image of just a dead horse uh, relationship in my brain, <laughs> flies around yes. it, uh, mm-hmm. man, if that's the way they were, it, I, it, it might be easier to move on from, but they don't always appear on the outside, uh, you know, out here in the real world as a, a dead carcass. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. That's exactly what some, some relationships are. Um, and sometimes there's a middle ground. And mm-hmm. uh, part of that, yes. again, is going through that. Being emotionally healthy is not easy. 
Mm-hmm. It's constant upkeep, constant self-reflection, and going through some of those things that you've talked about. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if taking stock of my relationships and, and being self-aware. Mm-hmm. So go back through and, and, and do some self-reflection. There is one group of people uh, that I don't want to leave out here because, uh, you know, you have extroverts, introverts, um, mm-hmm. and, and some people, a combination of the two, depending on, uh, you know, what's going on in their life. Um, or what they're feeling, they could be either. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have extroverts that'll just bring in a, a whole group of friends and they can seemingly just take their pick and discard yep. these over here. And to an introvert, that's just like, man, I wish I could have that pick of friends, but mm-hmm. I guess I'll just be alone. Or I'd, yeah. what does that look like for an introvert who just can't seem to reach out to others to form those friendships? Yeah, Talk to them for a minute. Ooh, you're telling my story. Exactly. And when I walked onto a college campus, well, whatever it was now, oh, back in 2006, I kind of knew one person. And as, a, as an extreme introvert, that was a terrifying experience for me. And my first year was really learning how does the real me show up in a relationship with other people in this context and trying to figure that out. So again, giving grace to yourself uh, for you introverts out there who are hearing this, it's okay to kind of stumble your way through this and try not to hold yourself to some unrealistic expectation that you have to have X amount of friends by the end of your first semester. Focus instead on who are the people around me that I am very interested. I see enough of them that it's kind of piques my curiosity. That's someone I think that I could really connect with. How do I look for opportunities to connect with them? How do I find the courage to risk some vulnerability by even asking for a deeper connection? And I'm not saying you walk up and say like, hey, I want you are someone that looks deep. I want to connect with you. It may just be <laughs> simple as simple as, hey, you going to lunch today? Can I share your table with you? And figuring out how to connect with them. Or, hey, let's get a group together and, and do go study at Starbucks. Okay. Those contexts are where relationship really starts to take root and where you really start to get a feel for other people. Well, and those are inclusive opportunities. Everybody yes. wants to be included. So you've given that, yeah. that other person a gift, even if it's just for that one time. You're like, you're like oh, mm-hmm. you get to Starbucks and you're like, mm, the way they order their drink. No. <laughs> Uh, whatever it may be like "Eh, it's just not going to click but you still gave the gift of inclusion yes in a small sidebar here if you're if you're an introvert you may be thinking all the time or projecting well they just don't want to hang out with me or yeah they must not think well of me Mm -hmm. um because i remember i went to college with you Mm -hmm. um and thinking back it's so funny because i i remember thinking of you as quiet deep wise because i was like just bouncing off the walls of (laughs) of the campus and everywhere and you know so two completely different people but i do remember when i was around you thinking and this goes back to my own insecurities of like okay this is a really smart guy so i don't want to mess up and be (laughs) stupid so i'm going to be careful what i say so Mm -hmm. you you as you were thinking about others at that age they're probably also being hyper self-aware around you and projecting their own insecurities over onto you. So maybe just put that into your toolkit. Like, okay, 
Yeah. There's a lot of people here who are insecure and I can give that gift of inclusion to people yes. uh, one at a time just by, yeah. uh, again, inviting yeah. them to Starbucks or your dinner table, whatever it might be. Well, you, you nailed that. I'm really glad you hit that insecure piece because that's something that I, I wanted to throw into the conversation at some point today. Everyone walks on campus with their own unique set of insecurities. And we all, by nature, assume that no one else really has those. Or you know, even if we don't state it that strongly, that's kind of how we act. And so I had my own set of insecurities, as you, as you identified. They look different than yours. Mine was like, well, I don't know what to, what to always say. I don't have the humor. I'm not the, the witty person in, in these contexts, life of the party. And I spent a good chunk of my life not really, oh, I'll say despising that part of what I was not instead of embracing the part of who I really am, which is it's okay for me to be quiet. And I remember the first time actually, uh, or at least the first time I should, should say that I recall someone embracing that part about me and saying, that's who you are. And that's a really good part of who you are. That's what in some ways makes you safe or even desirable to other people. So don't, don't diminish that, embrace that. And so that's been part of my own journey is accepting, uh, not begrudgingly, but with appreciation, the way that God wired me as an introvert. And the fact that I, I get energy from solitude, from reflection, and I don't have to have all the right things would be witty or the life of the party. Other people really thrive in that. And that's not me and that's okay. So introverts, try not to despise your introvertedness. And I would say the same for extroverts. Don't despise that. Embrace that. Learn where the ditches are on, on your side of the, the street with that. And be mindful of those. But don't fight the way God wired you to be. Don't, I'm not saying confuse trauma uh, with personality. But understand, learn to understand and embrace the way God made you to be and allow that real person to show up in meaningful relationships on campus. Mm. So good. So good. And and again, that, that insecurity, like I said before, you're not the only sick patient in the room. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's okay. It's we okay. all have our stuff. So if we're all those people, uh, we're, we're all listening to this, whether we're going to college or we're like, mm, yeah, I, I don't have a very uh, good, I, I don't even have three friends that I can point to. I need to make more friends. Because mm -hmm. I understand how important community is. Yeah. Um, if we're looking for that, we're going to do the self-reflection. I'm going to go back and listen to this. I'm going to write down those uh, uh, traits of an emotionally healthy individual. I'm going to work on myself and look for those in others. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write down those red flags of people who are not emotionally healthy. And I'm going to watch for that because I don't want to fall into a ditch with someone who's going nowhere. Um, and then I would, I would turn it over to you. I have one more question after this, but... What are some other solid resources that you would recommend for learning more on the topic of, you know, the healthy boundaries or healthy relationships, uh, making making friends, uh, the right friends, community, all those things? Yeah. So we talked a lot about boundaries, and I would really recommend the book named Boundaries by Drs. Cloud and Townsend. It's it's kind of a standard, um, just it's the golden text, I guess, if you want to put that term on it for understanding how boundaries work. So I think that's a really great resource. A book that I have not read yet, but trust the author, also by Dr. Townsend, called Necessary Endings. 
And we talked earlier about how to navigate your way out of those difficult relationships. And knowing his work, I would really trust what he has to tell you in that book. And then a final one is called Crucial Conversations by Patterson, uh, Grenny, and a few others as well. Uh, and that is a, a great text to kind of help you have a model for how do I have those conversations that maybe are going to be uncomfortable but are really important to help me and others grow. So those are three I'd throw out there. And then, of course, uh, it doesn't have a title yet, but the book... <laughs> You're going to write on this whole topic. I mean, such Look a word in about ten years, maybe <laughs> coming in a decade near you. Uh, if you have a, a an idea for the title, Ryan should put on that book uh, for everything we've talked about today. Uh, you can send that to uh, either me or Ryan Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com, and and I'll get that over to Ryan. Um, so, Ryan, as we're coming to an end here, uh, I'd like to I'll hand it over to the the guest, uh, which is you today, and. If there's something you want to leave with the listener, something we've talked about today, mm-hmm. uh, one of the ideas or a synopsis, whatever it may be, as we're coming to a close, talking directly to that individual who is uh, intimidated, uh, anxious, excited, um, mm-hmm. and scared, but really looking forward to it, all the mix of emotions uh, yeah. as they're already on a campus or heading that way, yeah. talking to them, what, what would you say? So it's okay to be right where you are. It's okay to learn. And like I said before, no one knows how to do this until they learn to do it. And this is your chance. And give yourself permission to not get it perfect, but be relentless in your commitment to figure this out, to learn and to grow. And secondly, whenever you get on that campus or you you look in that new group even, and you're like, man, I I just don't see anybody here that really fits this categories of, of healthy or I see too many red flags. Try not to get discouraged by that. Instead, focus on becoming that person yourself. And as you embody that and embrace that, what I've often seen is it attracts that kind of person to you. Or even if it doesn't attract those people to you, it provides an example to other people say I want that too I want to join you there so it's kind of a a riff off of become the change you want to see become the person you want to be friends with and that in doing so you often attract that person to you so good lots of good stuff in here Um, I know I'm going to go back and and listen to a lot of it so always enjoy having you on the show Ryan thanks for coming on great story podcast today thanks Nate so awesome to be here as always So to you, the listener, go back, make those a list, set them side by side. I know I will be as you navigate life's relationships and those healthy boundaries with others that you're wanting, uh, not only for yourself to be, but also to be, uh, you know, uh, making others want to be that way or not that we're practicing out of a one up. Hey, I'm better than you, but that same as, hey, this is who I am and I'm looking for someone who's on this journey that wants to be healthy and motivate me and be more. And I can do the same thing for you as well. Um, there's all sorts of resources from Grace Story Ministries that do that. Um, and uh, if you want more on this, read, uh, go back to episode 65, listen to Ryan talking about this. He's sharing that article uh, that he wrote about making friends in college and healthy uh, relationships. 
And then that's also in our newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, head on over to greatstoryministries.com and you can sign up for that and it'll head to your inbox every month. Lots of great stuff uh, coming in there. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. As always, I say it every time, there is no us without you. So we want you to get engaged, get ready for men's conference, women's conference, uh, share the podcast. We're so glad that you're a part of the Great Story community. We'll see you in two weeks. And until then, we'll be praying for you.